Hello, my lovelies. This is the Gamer Mom once again with another fun-filled episode. Last time, I said I was going to be covering Silver Age Sentinels. It's a superhero role-playing game that's done tabletop. Like City of Heroes, except you use dice. Now, I have many, many fond memories of Silver Age Sentinels. There are some who prefer... Um, the Marvel role-playing games or the DC role-playing games. But for me, Silver Age Sentinels is where it's at. We did the D20 version because you could do Silver Age Sentinels with D10s and then there's the D20s. Now, before I go further, I'm going to explain those phrases, D10s, D20s. The D obviously stands for dice. Now, D10s, everything's done essentially on percentile base. D20s, it's a standard role-playing where you have your D6, D8, D4. These are all describing how many sides the dice have. A six-sided dice, or D6 as we call it, is a normal die, one of those little cube ones that you roll one through six. The D20 is often used for initiative and for using your skills and whatnot. Now, Silver Age Sentinels, I preferred, like I said, the D20 version. It's more familiar for what I'm used to. One of my more fun games, well, my husband ran it. I didn't, but it was fun to play in was the Bureau campaign. And that ended up all sorts of things. I mentioned before in one of my previous podcasts about how we ended up rescuing a superhero in Japan. And yes, I'm always going to laugh at that final, in Japan. I believe it was my last podcast that I was talking about that one. So... Basically, in that campaign, there was two superhero teams. There was the public team, and then there was us, the background bureau team. Now, the public team had a few people with actual abilities and an alien. Oh, the alien was actually kind of nice. She liked warmth, and she was into plants. A nice version of Poison Ivy. Anyway, we were gotten together by the chairman. He needs no other name or title than the chairman. I don't think anybody actually knows his name other than he was the chairman. But he gathered us all together. Me. My character, Silver, she was essentially the leader of the group. She was a psychiatrist. And he put into her care Owen, the dimensionally lost mage, and a bit of a psychopath who really needed watched. He also had Big Top, 
no, no, Big Top was from a different game. Oh, bloody. What was, well, Enigma, that was it. The character's name was Enigma because he was a shapeshifter. You never knew what he could do. In fact, his file had just a big question mark and a note saying, and this is all we know about him. He was a shape changer, spy, but actually a fairly good guy. There was Azriel, the angel. And, well, he was inhabiting a human body. So, the, care, and the, per, and the player was playing two different people, essentially. Sorry, it's been years, so if I seem to stutter or wander, it's just been years. Basically, a high school dropout, though. Who, got, who, when he was trying to do something, ended up hurt, almost dying, and ended up being infused with an angel. Then there was the murder machine. Now, as horrible as the name is, Machine, as we all love to call him, wasn't that bad of a guy, except for his horrible habit of keying cars with his thumbnail. And... It's like, why did you do that? It needed decorating. At one point in the adventure, he keyed a turtle with his thumbnail. It still makes me go, what the hell? Machine and Silver got along great. Enigma loved to just screw around, and at one point for a costume party, he dressed up as the amazing Spider-Man and... Machine, just for the hell of it, sent in a letter saying, that Spider-Man must be a menace. And put it under J.J. When he wrote to the newspaper about that. Hilarity ensued. But in that particular campaign, we were doing the actual work while the public face was attracting all the attention. There was the time we ended up having to go into a fantasy world to figure out what was going on because one of the members of the official group went missing and was presumed dead. We had to find out what happened. Then, of course, with the whole trip to Japan and rescuing the superhero, Kazi. Yeah, it was crazy at times. And I got to use the immortal line of, damn it, I'm a doctor, not a weatherman. Because I was asked, why is it like this? Why is it so hot? I don't know. I'm a doctor. Okay, so I, I like Star Trek. Can't blame me there. Star Trek's a good series. But... But we ended up doing a lot of running back and forth across dimensions. But the most exciting part, the most exciting adventure was when an alternate dimension 
opened up in the middle of New York and Nazis came through. So we had to go and we had to try to shut down the gate. Unfortunately, when we did this, me and Owen were on one side, along with a World War II plane, a World War II haunted airplane, and the rest of the group was on our side. So Owen and I, after we destroyed the gate and we saw it close and we realized, oh crap, we're screwed. We're on the wrong side. We had to flee to England. So there we are, flying over territory held by the Nazis. And we're trying to make our way to England where it's safe with this haunted airplane that has no bullets or anything in its guns shooting things down to keep us alive and we have to race against time because there's other planes other super beings coming after us and we have to get to England meanwhile back on the other side the rest of the group is all freaking out because we're now separated by dimensions and they have to clean up the aftermath and they have no clue what's going on. So we get all the way to England and that's when we discover there's more than just our current characters. There's alternates of us on every dimension. Every single one. We find the alternate one of us. And it's like, what on earth? What are we going to do here? It did take a while for them to figure out how to get us back. But in the meantime, there is all kinds of craziness having to question the prisoners. Now, it may seem that it be a bit boring with all the back and forth. And it only probably sounds boring, but at the time... It got really, really involved. And Machine was going through and King are creating little statues out of bars of metal just using his thumb. At one point we rescued his mentor who taught him how these things go. And to try to get his reflexes to work a lot better he would often sit there and he'd play video games now the problem is is his reflexes were so fast the machine couldn't keep up so he ended up getting killed often in these video games so he'd get frustrated because he'd be playing and it's like but I press that button no you pressed it too fast you gotta learn to actually see the moment But the Buru campaign was a blast to play. Then there was the secondary superhero game that had brought out one of my favorite characters, Roxy. Roxy was an inventor. Roxy cre was creative. She specialized in EMPs, AIs, just basically a tech genius. And she was helping out the Legion 
North American Legion of Superheroes. That's what it was actually technically called. But she had to do it undercover because she was also being watched by multiple groups. NSA, FBI, a lot of villains. Well, the villains was because they were actually keeping an eye on her for her own safety after she got engaged to the son of one of their own. Her fiancé didn't know that his parents, well, his mother used to be a villain and that his father was a hero. Or that his grandmother was a villain and his grandfather was a hero. So he had that going through his line. And he ends up dating a hero without realizing it until she had to admit it. But Roxy and Clank and Ratchet. Ratchet was a exactly what he sounds like. But it was a shape-shifting device. Clank was a little robot that followed her around and could also shape-shift. One of the nicknames for her was the Toy Maker. A very, very nice older oriental man named her the Toy Maker. After he saw some of the things that she had. She didn't realize he was watching her. But when he realized what she could do, he just simply referred to her as the Toy Maker. Her official superhero name was Technica. But that was the game that had Big Top in it. And it had Pariah. It was so much fun. really was. Because... We'd be going through and trying to figure out all these modern day, more serious problems. For instance, Night Spirit. He was a psychopath. He was also an official hero because nobody knew he was a psychopath. And he did not like the fact that somebody had things he didn't. When he first met Roxy, Roxy has her own little business. She's a mechanic. She actually runs her own little shop. So one of her friends, Lily, got her a Marlin J interception, interceptor, sorry, a Marlin J interceptor engine and this absolutely gorgeous car to put it in. So she ended up with this sleek, beautiful beast she called the lion that could hit Mach 1 without even trying. She couldn't even take it out of first before she got pulled over. Fortunately, she had a pilot's license, so when they asked, "Do you where's your pilot's license, she could hand it to him, as well as her driver's license. Yeah. I actually know of stories that have that happen where actual pilots who do stunts like that do get pulled over and get to show off their license. Anyway. That particular group, like I said, a whole lot of fun. Roxy was not really the leader of it. Thank God. It's like every time 
I, I disappear from the room when they're deciding leaders, I automatically get put to it. So I've hit the point where even if I have to really run to the ladies room until a leader is decided, I don't leave because I know the minute I come back, I'm going to be the one in charge. And I get so tired of always being the one in charge. We also had Card Shark and Joker. Now, the players for Card Shark and Joker, not exactly people I really talk to anymore. Well, I haven't talked to the player who did Card Shark in years. And there's reasons, but we're not going to go into that. The same for Joker. Also not going to go into that. It's complicated. Also has a lot to do with the whole White Wolf thing. Oh, back to Silver Age Sentinels. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just wandering everywhere on this. One of the plot lines and that I absolutely had a bunch of fun with was the Sunday Killer and the car race. Now, as I said, Roxy was a mechanic. And the guy she was dating ended up buying this absolutely gorgeous, must or not Mustang, um, Corvette. Now, I don't know how many of you who listen actually are familiar with the song that had the um, haunted Corvette in it. Yes, there is a song about that, but that's what this Corvette was based off of. And it was trashed from an accident that killed the driver. The original owner was a serviceman. And he haunted his car. You can't really blame him. A 68 Corvette. Hell of a nice car. Now, she told the guy she was interested in and ended up dating that, yeah, she could fix this car. Not a problem. She didn't tell him that she had access to um, nanites that she created. So she could literally build up from nothing. But she's like, yeah, I can fix it. Then she started getting the other cards from what's called the Fatal Five. Now, the thing about the Fatal Five and why they got their name is 20 years before that day, five very rich men were sitting down, getting drunk, and bragging about their various cards and how fast they can go. So they decided that they were going to put their money where their mouths were and race these cars on an abandoned mountaintop. Now this mountaintop was abandoned because it was dangerous. Lots of dead man curves. And these idiots decided while they were drunk that they were going to go and they were going to race their cars there. Nobody survived. The cars were all pretty much damaged. There was a spider. There was the Corvette. There was a... Um, oh. Trying to think of the name. Okay. A Duesenberg, a, a Mustang, and a Roadrunner. Now, the Roadrunner and... Actually, all of the cars were haunted, but the Roadrunner, ooh, that one had the Sunday Killer in it. 
turns out that one of these extremely rich men was a murderer. And he would kill especially women on a Sunday. All, and there was 48 bodies when his killing ground got found. And they were still counting. So she ended up with all of these cars in her shop to be fixed. And she knew that the Corvette was haunted. And she knew after the ghost of the Sunday killer popped up to take a look at what she was doing, that the Corvette, or the, sorry, the um, Roadrunner was haunted. She suspected the others were haunted too at that point. But she went, she fixed these cars, and that's when she found out about the race. Because the whole thing about the race, since there was no winner, it was still valid. And they had three more months before that mountain was going to be completely destroyed where all the roads were. So there was going to be no way to do this race. So the owners of the cars had heard about this race and had found out that the money that was bet had been put into stocks and went from 200000 and nineteen. 84 money to being over 2 million in 2004. So 20 years worth of um, in, oh, what is that word? I'm sorry. English is not being my friend today. But it grew. So everybody's interested in doing this race now because whoever won the weight, whoever won the race would get that money. So it became a whole big deal. And when the race started, the people she made sure that everybody had their gear was in order, they had safety equipment, the cars were in good shape. And it was televised. Of course it's going to be televised. Modern day things. And there was just so many famous people in this race too. A banker, lawyer, a politician. It just simply got all over the place for people. So everybody's wanting to know what happens with this race. And yeah, she was right. They were all haunted because the minute the race started and they started out, the spirits of the people who originally ran it took over the drivers. And by the end of it, the Corvette did win, but the Roadrunner tried to knock him out of the way. The Mustang had been already knocked out of the race because the Roadrunner, well, remember I said that the ghost of the Roadrunner was a murderer? He had no qualms about trying to knock people off the road. Fortunately, there was also a couple of the public superheroes there who could rescue the drivers before their car crashed. So, no deaths. But when she was fixing up the cars that was when she discovered about the sunday killer 
because she was pulling out all this evidence and reported it to her fiance, who was the politician, as well as being legal. So they had it all, all the information, all the evidence right there to convict. Hard to convict a dead man, but they had the evidence. But that was one of the more exciting parts of the game. Because everybody was very involved on this car race. The Fatal Five was just something that caught the attention of everybody. I will admit that I do like car races. I don't like watching them on TV. I prefer being there, but that's just me. I get bored watching things on TV. I don't do TV. So, by the end of it, the Corvette won. She bought the Roadrunner off the lawyer who had it. And he was more than happy to sell it to her for the cost that it cost him to get it repaired. And she had the damn thing melted down into slag. Then had it cubed. It melted again. And then had the pieces of it recycled. It was just something she really didn't want to have out there that could be used. I know, I know. I just spent this entire time talking about the whole plot line of one of our adventures, but that tends to happen. I did warn you all, I do ramble. But Roxy has always been one of my favorites. And I will admit that I get inspiration from her for from a lot of different places. I use her now even in various one-on-one -on -one role plays that I do with people. Because there's just so much there to expand on. You can only do so much with a psychic psychiatrist. And honestly, while that was a fun character to play, you can only do so much with her. But that is going to be my ramblings on Silver Age Sentinels for tonight. Next time I will be going back to City of Heroes. Let's keep the superhero streak going. And I will talk about more on how I stole a group. How, I, how my bases came to be about. I'm not really a base builder, but gotta have a really cool base. My husband makes wonderful bases. God bless him. And more on teaming. Anyway, I love you all. This is the Gamer Mom, and I hope you have a wonderful day.